0: This is the Orange Podcast, conversations with Orange City Council for the local community. Thanks for
1: tuning in for the Orange Podcast and our summer series programs, bringing you some of the best interviews of the year while our podcast crew takes a break. This week, some tough decisions about footpaths and a brand new cricket centre finally opens its doors. But first, one of the most encouraging and routine events that happens most months at the Orange Civic Centre is to be on the sidelines as new residents become our newest citizens. While most of us were simply born here and didn't have a choice about being an Australian, these families are making an active choice.
2: Australians, oh let us rejoice for the-
3: from this time forward I pledge my loyalty to Australia and
2: its people, whose de- democratic beliefs I share, whose rights and liberties I respect, and whose rules I will uphold and obey. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr Matthew James Senator
3: Uh, Matthew James Staniforth. Uh, I'm from Portsmouth, England originally. Uh, came to Australia for a new challenge. Um, I came here on holiday, had a really good time, so I came here in June 2010 um, yeah, to try something different originally and I ended up staying here, getting work, love the country, love the place, ended up meeting my lovely wife. Now I've got a baby, so yes, very much settled here and love it.
4: What made you decide to become a citizen?
3: <sighs> I was here for about eight years. And um, I got married last year, had a baby, and I felt that I just wanted to be part of the community um, in a more sort of official way, um, instead of just being known as the POM in my workplaces and whatnot, to be honest. So, yeah, wanted to be Australian, but also just to, yeah, be part as a one-rounded family, I suppose, yeah.
4: Why Orange? Um,
3: I met my wife here. And she wanted to stay, and I did too. So, uh, yeah, I moved here from Sydney for a tree change. Um, loved it. And, uh, yeah, once I met my wife and we settled here, so yeah, it's great.
4: My name is Nicole Taylor and we've just witnessed the first citizenship ceremony held at Council Chambers since March. And I'm here with Christine and she's going to talk about her experience. Hi, Christine. My name is Christine and I'm from Zimbabwe. I came here in 2008 and today's my citizenship ceremony and I'm so excited. <laughs> I came in 2008 from Zimbabwe. So why did you move from Canberra to Orange? Because uh, Orange was affordable come to Canberra. <laughs> really friendly people. Yeah, I love orange. I really enjoy the Australian culture because people are friendly and welcoming. My name's Hannah Hamden. I'm from Sudan, Khartoum. Coming here when I was one years old. Eighteen years. Seventeen. to live in Sydney and we moved to Brisbane for a bit. We've been, just been back Sydney orange, Sydney orange for a couple of years. It's equally shared. Everyone's nice. Just... The whole family yeah, you feel included. Were you nervous about today? Um, Yeah, but it went okay. Um, I thought we had to stand up and actually say it, but it was alright. Does it make you feel any different now that you're officially a citizen? Yeah, it makes me just feel included.
1: One of the nuts and bolts issues of what councils do in Orange is building new footpaths. This year there was more in the budget to build more footpaths than ever before. The podcast went in search of the facts from works manager Wayne Gailey to find out how they make the tough choices about which neighbour gets a new footpath and who misses out.
0: Well, we look at things like um, the proximity to attractors, of schools and shops, and, and then there's safety issues, like is it on a busy road? Um, is it close to an aged care facility? Um, and... There's a number of factors like that that we'll take into consideration. We give each one a score, um, and then we will um, come up with a ranking. When we've got that ranking, we can then say, okay, well, um, here's a, a given a, a set budget for the year. Here's the number of jobs that we can deliver, and that's how we come up with our program. It's similar for our footpath rehabilitation too, where we're digging up the old footpaths that have um, you know the tree roots are causing trip hazards or you know it's just really old or whatever same sort of system but then we also factor in um, the actual condition and how hazardous the existing footpath is as well.
4: Why do you put spray paint all over the hazards in the footpaths?
0: That's a very good question and then a lot of people will say to our staff If you can spray paint it, why can't you fix it? Well, the the spray painting's there to highlight the fact that there's a hazard. We can't get around to fix every footpath in five minutes. We've got a limited budget. There's a lot of work out there to do, I must admit. Um, So this is designed to highlight the fact that there's a hazard for people that are using our footpaths.
4: What about new developments, Wayne, that don't have footpaths or, say, in the last 20 years they've been built, they don't have footpaths, are they ever going to get footpaths?
0: Um, So some of the new subdivision areas um, have had contributions made at at the time of subdivision, before all the houses are built, um, by the developer of that land towards um, the construction of new footpaths. So Council collects that money and then at... A certain point in time when there's a I guess you know say greater than 80 percent of the houses are built council will come in and put the footpath in we don't want to do it any earlier than that because um, the process of building houses uh, means that you've got heavy trucks running over them and, and things like that so um, we want to minimize the damage and put them in at, at the appropriate time there are some areas of orange um, that um, didn't operate under that contributions system um, when those subdivisions were were done, Um, so uh, no money was taken for those. So they'll work through the process um, and be put into, um, I guess, a, a list of priorities for implementation later on. But it is quite a long list, I must say.
4: So Council tripled its footpath budget this year. How many extra footpaths can you get with that money?
0: That equates to um, somewhere between seven and eight kilometres of, uh, of footpath, and um, so normally we would do yeah, probably you know one and a half, but, you know, on the on the on the usual budget.
4: So it's quite a lot more.
0: That's quite a lot more. Yeah, it's good. It's filling in, filling in a lot of the missing links around town. The program's being delivered by a combination of council's own in-house resources and um, and local contractors. Um, they are um, they have a big a big workload um, this financial year and going on into the future. Um, and uh, it's it's really good to see that infrastructure um, being put in place and people out there. It, I you know see it every day. There's more and more people getting out. And using these facilities that we're putting in so it's good to see
1: Workstepper manager Wayne Gailey was talking to comms team member Nicole Taylor Orange's main sporting venue Wade Park is being steadily upgraded some new seats have been installed in the grandstand and today a new 3.4 million dollar cricket and community center was officially opened. Cricket New South Wales regional manager Matt Taberner is looking forward to be working from the new building alongside the grandstand.
2: I oh, will use it extensively through uh, uh, my office or the Cricket New South Wales Central West office, being based out of here. Um, we've got our Western Academy uh, programs, Cricket New South Wales Academy programs for both male and female, and then we've got our local regional-based ca- academies as well. So it's going to get extensive use. And then we've got the Orange local Orange uh, cricketers too that will be able to use this facility. Why is it important to have you know nets and making it all year round and indoor? Oh, I think if you look at all our elite players at any sport, the, the opportunity to be able to train all year long really adapts uh, makes them work uh, and improve their game. So to have a facility like this, so cricketers from all over the region and Orange can come and, and train 365 days a year, and especially in our winter months when we're dealing with snow and, and sub-zero temperatures, um, it's going to benefit all our cricketers, uh, no doubt. As well as actual practice in the nets, there are, there are conference rooms, classrooms, if you like, that's part of the training? Yeah, definitely. We're big at Cricket New South Wales on training volunteers, training our coach volunteers into accreditation, scoring, administration, um, the opportunity to have meetings here, have a localised club room for our local cricket fraternity um, really benefits cricket and makes it a lot easier for our volunteers. As well as cricket, is it going to be a good indoor sporting facility
1: for Orange for, for wet weather backups So,
2: yeah, no doubt. you can see here, the nets can retract back, so we can open up for rugby league, AFL, soccer, uh, any sport. Our sc- sporting our school groups can come into as well and use it during the school hours um, for their sport. Um, it's just great for the Orange community. Um, I think everyone will benefit from this centre.
1: Cricket New South Wales Regional Manager, Matt Tabiner. As well as four indoor cricket practice pitches and a whole batch of classrooms and better change rooms, the new centre sees a major upgrade to the kitchen and kiosk facilities in Wade Park. Orange City Council Sport and Recreation Committee Chair Jason Hamling believes it's Orange's cold winter months when the value of the centre will become very clear.
5: It's a no-brainer. Six months of the year, um, you can't train outside, especially play cricket and uh, you know recently in the last 10 years we've got a new indoor um, basketball facility up at Anzac Park, we've got an indoor swimming pool and now we've got an indoor cricket centre so we've finally realised that you need indoor facilities in Orange and the one that's open here today is just fantastic, brand new and it just cements Wade Park as the best cricket ground in western New South Wales. It's also going to be
1: a great community facility, if, if I was used to be a volunteer cooking sausages for football games, how did I do that, where did I have to go?
5: The old, the old grandstand. You were down below, um, down below the old grandstand, where the canteen facility was. You did not see any of the game. You heard the cheers and you ran up to see the score, but you didn't see the try being scored. Now you're front and centre. You can see the whole game. So the volunteers have been. We've, there, there's cool rooms. There's no more old fridges. There's no more Eskies with ice trying to keep the sausages cold. There's cool rooms. It's air conditioned. It's what a time to be a volunteer. The new
1: centre has been named after a stalwart of sport in Orange over many years, Carl Sharp. As well as supporting many sports, he worked as a cricket coach. He's no longer with us, but his wife, Mrs Cathy Sharp, was on hand today to help cut the ribbon. And imagine how Carl would have used this building to boost the cricketing skills of local youngsters. Oh,
4: I think it's fabulous, absolutely fabulous. Carl would have absolutely been so proud. Hmm.
1: When he was looking after games, the facilities were pretty rough. Um, yeah, some of the grandstands were pretty ordinary. Yes. How, how do you think this will make it more fun for young cricketers to get started?
4: Uh, because he did all all the... Most of the coaching and that over at Kinross. And that. And that by the time they head up, set up the ball, um, bowling things and the mats and everything over there, half the time was gone, just getting it set up every week to to start the coaching. But...
1: So having our permanent thing here is going to make it a lot easier?
4: Oh yeah, it would have been easy from Franklin Road to here. <laughs> sure.
1: Orange's climate makes it important to do indoor things. Yes. Why does that matter?
4: Because the heat is just such a dry heat here. And that, I wonder sometimes. I feel sorry for the kids that are out playing in the middle of um, Jack Bravham and that where they got not much covering or anything like that. But having a facility like this, where you could use it for coaching and things like that, yeah, it would have been absolutely fantastic. It is fantastic.
1: Carl was a very quiet, humble sort of guy. Yeah. What do you think he'd make if he was driving past and saw the words Carl Sharp on the front of
4: the building? Take it down. he didn't look for any any accolades whatsoever he started so many things in Orange and that um, with the sportsman of the year and all the eight day games, all those sort of things he did all those, started all those but he was just interested mainly in the juniors and that, but he did um, um, get involved with, you know Pying himself and having the kids party—it was, it was fantastic.
1: Thanks for joining us on the Orange Podcast Summer Series over the summer this year. When you tune in next week, we're back to new programs for 2021. In the meantime, do remember to subscribe where you get your podcasts. Simply search for the Orange Podcast. From Alan Reader, bye for now.